0: Hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Commit or Quit. I am one of your co-hosts, Eddie Nam. And before we jump into our regular programming, I wanted to take a moment to address what is going on. As many of you may know, our entire network, Dive Studios, took a week off last week to stand in solidarity in the movement against racism and for racial equality. We believe that Black Lives Matter and acknowledge the underlying systemic issues that have for too long gone ignored and unresolved. So, If you're looking for places to donate and ways to get involved, we've provided a link from New York Mag in the episode description where you can decide which cause or organization best suits you. We encourage you all to stay informed, educated, and to join this ongoing fight. We hope you enjoy the following episode with Phoebe Robinson, and as always, thank you for listening.
1: What's up Commit or Quit family? This is Eric Nam. Yo yo this is Eddie Nam. Welcome to the show. This is a show where we decide if we're going to commit to a show and watch it or quit it because we hate it. So uh, today we have another very special episode. We have a guest joining us today. Her name is Phoebe Robinson. Y- you? Yeah she is an incredibly talented friend of ours. Uh, she is a stand-up comedian, writer, actress, um… Like multi-hyphenate. She does everything. Like literally she does everything. Writes books. Best-selling author. Um, and we've become good friends over the past year. And so we asked her to join us and to suggest a show to us today. So today we're talking about this show called Insecure. And um, I really enjoyed this conversation. I with enjoyed Fabio, the conversation. It was right? a
0: nice change of pace. It was a totally different TV show and I just thought it was overall really, really great.
1: Yeah. So I think you guys are going to really enjoy this episode. Stick around to the end. There are a lot of good tidbits in here. And hope you guys enjoy it. This is Commit or Quit. Let's go. Goodbye. No. Don't go. No. not Enjoy. Bye. Wait. No. Okay. Bye. Hey. uh, What do you want to watch? I don't know. Oh. I actually heard this is really good. What do you say? Should we commit or quit? So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we have a great, I'd like to say a great new friend of mine and Eddie's. And since we've known her, she is such a pleasure to be around, to to work with, to have random conversations with. And so I'm so excited to have this seasoned veteran of comedy, of writing, of acting, of podcasting. Here with us today, everybody, please welcome the incredibly talented Miss Phoebe Robinson. What's up, Phoebe?
2: Hi. Do people even know who I am? I feel like my my footprint <laughs> is like very negligible. But thanks for having me on. No, Phoebe, everybody
1: <laughs> knows who you are. And if they don't, that's on them, not on you. So Back. welcome to the show. Also, by the way, you have like… Multiple legs up on everybody because you you've spoken with Tom Hanks. So
2: Yeah, he's I on mean, my voicemail. That's that's he's the outgoing message on my voicemail. Are you serious? Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, after this I'm gonna call your phone. Don't answer. Okay. I just want to hear the voicemail. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. Um, yeah he's the best well thanks for thanks for joining us we're excited to have you and um before we jump into all this craziness how have you been what's what's been up in this amazing quarantine time
2: gosh this is day 70 i feel like bake bake off and i that's my boyfriend british bake off that's his code name we were early adopters (laughs) Uh (laughs) we were early adopters to the game so i feel like the thing that's interesting about being quarantined in New York is like, or like in Brooklyn proper is like everyone's in an apartment. Mm-hmm. So you don't really have like outside space if you don't have a right. balcony and we don't have one. So we very much are like, you know, it's funny if I like see someone complain about quarantine and they have like grass. I'm like, you have trees, man. Like you are killing <laughs> the game. Very <laughs> true. Yeah. So it's like that sort of thing where I because I love like walking around New York City. That's Mm -hmm. like one of my favorite things. It's like I run errands on my feet. Like I just love being in the mix of it. So like just being inside, I think is I'm experiencing the city in a way that I've never have. And I've been here for 18 years. So it's real. It's bizarre. It's very bizarre. I'm like I have a new relationship with New York right now.
1: Mm hmm. What have yeah. you been doing to stay busy? I saw you guys and Bake Off have been making pasta. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you've been doing a lot of IG lives. What mm-hmm. else have you picked up? Any new skills? Are you trying anything new? Have you have you improved any of your theatrical or musical performance <laughs> capabilities?
2: I definitely been cooking more, so that's been fun. And sometimes Bake Off and I will cook together, or we'll be like, "I got it today, you cook tomorrow." So that's been really nice. Making soups from scratch, pasta, baking things, making flatbreads. I think we're gonna make a lasagna tonight, like a broccoli, a broccoli um, with a little bit of ricotta and Parmesan. So that'll be like nice. Sounds amazing. We're doing our thing. Putting (laughs) the
1: rest of us to shame. I love that when you said ricotta, you had the finger up like it was in Italian. Ricotta. (laughs) And it was I a got <laughs> We're um, running so out of recipes over here. It's a problem.
2: <laughs> you know what? I get most of my recipes from um, Apple News has like a food section. And so mm. they usually will list like good housekeeping or like New really? York Times. Like I think for the next month, New York Times has all their recipes or you have access to them for free. So I'm definitely Ooh. like screenshotting those because yeah. I'm not going to pay once this month is up. Um. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I Calm completely down New York agree times. with you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like $5 a month for recipes. It's yes. Like, I'm not doing that.
2: I yeah, love New York times, but
1: I'm not doing that. No, thank you. Yeah. That's $5 of me buying another boba or uh, iced coffee someday. That's what I'm exactly. doing.
2: Exactly. Um. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to learn… How to play the piano. Oh. Um, so that's been fun. What's your face? What's that? Face? What was that face?
1: No, when you said that's been fun, it was like it was that it was that facial expression that's been fun, and then you forced the ends of your mouth to go up. No, <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it has been. It's just been, um, I've been derailed because I'm working on a book proposal now. So I haven't oh. practiced the piano in like three weeks. So I feel like I'm kind of like, I don't want to say I'm lazy, but it's just, it's hard to do multiple outputs of creativity. So I was just right, like, right, I, you, music is purely just for fun. So I need to do stuff for for money. Right, now. right.
1: That's fair. Right. Yeah. I mean, okay. You're working on, I guess, another book proposal. Let's run down briefly. Like, <laughs> what have you been up… Like, it's hard for me to keep up with the <laughs> amount of projects that you do. Because you have so many shows. You're producing. You have a new mm-hmm. deal um, with a new production company called Tiny Reparations, which you mm-hmm. founded. Um, mm-hmm. You are a best-selling author. You, you just do everything. You know, last week's book, yeah. you were coming off tour. Uh, yeah. So, what are you working on now? What are some things that we can look forward to coming in the next months or year of, of projects that you've been working on?
2: Yeah, so, um, Tiny Reparations started last August, I think. Um, I, like, l- launched the company while I was, like, in Edinburgh doing stand-up, which was kind of, like, stressful to launch it in a different country than where you are. Yeah. Um, but Technology makes it easy, but it's been good. So like right now we sold one project. So we're I think we want to get ready to pitch it out to networks. Um, Congrats. And then I have Everything's Trash, which is based off my last book. That's like I'm adapting that for a TV series. So I'm hoping that I could take that out in June and shop it around. But we're doing like a lot of fun development, mm-hmm. um, which has been really cool. And it's just me... Um I had a development, Jose Acevedo, and then the lovely Mai Wen. who if you follow me on Instagram, my. you know that Mai is an icon. She's truly the most gorgeous, <laughs> like, perfect person I've ever met in my life. And I'm, like, trying to get her to, like, move in with me. Oh,
0: really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the new yeah. norm. Why not?
2: Yeah. <laughs> I like, like my boyfriend, and I will go on like realtor.com or like street easy and we'll be like, is this a big enough house that you would consider moving in? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, look, yeah. it's,
1: it's a very real, real <laughs> option. Literally, my latest thing is I'm going to buy a farm. That's what I keep telling myself. I'm going to buy a farm and I'm just going to grow fruits and make jams and jellies and wine. So oh, that's Eric's so cute. obsessed with
0: this lately. He wants to like buy a farm and then make his own wine and basically hunt and plant things and you, you know, know, it sounds great but. live from the land where
2: is this where is this farm gonna be like in Colorado <laughs> Washington,
1: Colorado, some part of Cali. and then I'm thinking about taxes, so I'm like, okay, do I need to go somewhere cheaper? I don't know sorry oh wow well, oh, you're
0: doing you're doing great I, I didn't yeah. know about this. You're able to <laughs> buy all these farms. <laughs> we'll have to uh, have a little discussion later.
1: <laughs> I'm just—it's all hypotheticals, but in yeah. the same way that you're hypothesizing my moving in with you, you know. I'm just saying, yeah, it's—it's it's options. Yeah.
2: Um, so there's that, and then I'm working on a book proposal, um, which I hope to also shop around next month. So I'm a little bit like the gray hairs are coming in, and I'm like scared. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, you're killing it. You're you're doing so well. And it's like, it's amazing. And I, I think watching you do these projects is a source of motivation and inspiration for me. Um, Because I think… Really? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think it's so cool. Because for me, what I know is the music side. And I'd say like TV side in Korea and Asia. And then I see how you're maneuvering and all the different things that you have going on concurrently. And I'm like, oh, wow. She's doing it in such an interesting and different way. How do we learn from how she's building and emulate that? And so it's been really, really fascinating to watch you maneuver the waters. And so congratulations on everything. It's really cool.
2: Thanks, Eric. Most of the time, I feel like I'm just not, you know, I'm flailing and I'm trying and (laughs) I'm not succeeding. You know, but like when you're in it, it's like it's hard to see to have the perspective of like, okay, I'm like moving forward and the process is going okay. It just feels like, ah, like I don't know like where my two feet are. You know what I mean? Mm, Like mm -hmm. it's tough sometimes for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's… Well, you're killing it. And I think the only thing that I can say to that is I feel like for creatives, that's just life. Like for creatives, it's like we don't know what's going to be next and we just have to make it up. and, And it just comes out from wherever our heads are. That's why it's hard. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. Are you um, like writing a new album yet? I mean, I know it's like hard because your last album literally just came out and like mm-hmm. you didn't even get to finish the tour for that. But like, I, know. I don't know if like being in size and making you want to work on new music or are you still just sort yeah. of like, yeah? I mean,
1: we, I have almost an entire album ready to go now that we've written completely in quarantine. Um, So, yeah, we're in the final processes of like you know, taking some like, I think it'll be a Korean album. Um and so we're taking the right songs, putting them into Korean, saving the other ones for an English album and then just kind of filtering through what makes sense. So, so hopefully if everything goes according to plan, there'll be a new album in the summer. Um and Wait,
2: summer 2020? Yeah. That's like next week. Like an, I know like,
0: Eric to clarify like an EP. Say, right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Not it's a an okay. EP, Holy but it's album.
1: still. But like, look to me, it's the same thing. An album is what, like, eight to ten songs. An EP is still six songs. It's like two songs off for being an album. I'm calling it an album. So wow. Whatever,
2: whatever. Um, it's what's the vibe? Is it like sensual? Is it like Rage Against the Machine? Is it <laughs> like?
1: <laughs> okay, so here's the issue. Like, the reason that it's taking me a little longer is. Everything that I find myself writing right now is like, get me out of this trapped hellhole. <laughs> and like, I want to be free. Like all these songs <laughs> about like, prepared like freedom. And how do you rationalize that? And so it's been like, I don't want to sing just about being trapped. So it's just mm. trying to find other stories and like other interesting ways to approach how I'm feeling. And so it's been an interesting journey, but we're getting there and… um It'll be fine. It'll be good. It's
0: still been two months though. You know? It's like when people say they're putting albums out in quarantine or building… It's been like a pretty long time <laughs> so far. It has it's been like a, something yeah. that's been whipped up. So I- I'm looking forward to it. There are a couple songs I haven't even heard yet.
1: Well well, Phoebe, before we, before we jump into like this show, right? And mm-hmm. I feel like we've talked a lot about recent times and stuff. But for people who aren't so familiar with your work and who you are… I think I'd love… To introduce them to where you're from and how you got into the career that you have right now, right? And like how do you like to like describe yourself? You have so many… You're a multi-hyphenate. So like what's the best way of when you walk into your room like, Hi, I'm Phoebe and this is what I do and this is where I'm from. What is that version for you?
2: Well, I would say I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. But I feel like I'm a city girl at heart. Hence me living Mm -hmm. in New York. Um I think I'm an extroverted introvert for sure. Um okay. like like doing stand up like I I love that and I love the attention but when I'm not on stage like I really don't crave attention at all. So mm-hmm. I like to just go about my life and just do my things. But yeah, I'm a multi-hyphenate. I do stand up, I write, I produce, I act, podcast, you know, I just like to I think I just like to keep myself engaged and challenged and feel like I'm almost not going to be able to pull off what I'm trying to pull off. Okay. Um, Cause it's like, I'm not like, I don't play sports. I'm not like an adventure junkie. So being creative in multiple lanes and seeing how I can figure that out is like what I like. Um, but I'm, I feel like I'm 35 now. I'm going to turn 36 during the core core. Um, and I feel like <laughs> core, core. I love that <laughs> core, core. And I feel like um, meeting Bake Off. We'll be together three years this summer. It's made me less of a workaholic in and enjoy life more. Like I think everything was so I'm so type A, so goal oriented that mm-hmm. it's like it's like I'm enjoying like playing or like taking a vacation. And like truly checking out instead of saying, I'm going to take a vacation and then on my work emails the entire time. So I think now I'm sort of like learning to enjoy life a little bit more. And I am, to close, I am U2's number one fan. Yes, you are. No, I will battle to the death for that title. Um, (laughs) And... (laughs) I'm like, really? I So I went to, so this is a quick aside, but I I took Bake Off to um Mumbai for his birthday in December. We were going to do like a New York birthday here, but then you two was playing in Mumbai for the first time ever. Right. Oh my gosh. Right. So I, I was like, let's change your birthday and I'll plan a new trip for India. And he was like, okay. Um And the other day, I was like, babe, you know, like been thinking about this, the core core and like, it's like, just made me really like introspective. And I was just like, you know, I'm really glad that we got to go to India so I could see Bono one last time before the quarantine. And Bay was like, that's not the takeaway from this, <laughs> this time. <laughs> but <laughs> he was like, what are you talking about?
1: <laughs> There's so many other things you could have learned from this experience, but I'm glad you came from <laughs> Away with the most important one. Having seen Bono <laughs> one last time, <laughs> <laughs> Bono's yeah. incredible hard.
2: though. Yeah, to be fair, I'm. That is that's cool, but I'm also like kind of a crazy person. My boyfriend puts up with a lot. <laughs> it's it's
1: all of us. I mean, for yeah. people who who have not listened to your podcast, I mean, t- how many times have you met Bono?
2: I've hung out with him like a handful of times. Um and every once in a while we'll email but it's usually like he'll send me like a nice like birthday message and so I like I cherish the like emails or whatever Um, mm-hmm. but he's just really like the nicest like so sweet so kind. Con- like he is so smart that's the one yeah. thing it's like I feel so dumb around him <laughs> uh, mm. so I always like make jokes to like deflect from the fact that I'm like not as smart as him um but he's he's cool. He's like he's like my hero and I adore him and he's just like the best.
1: That's yeah. that's awesome. Well okay, well I'm going to put you on the spot now. Like here's here's another thing though. Not only are you, you know, you have Tom Hanks on your voicemail, you're mm-hmm. good friends with Bono now. You're also like <laughs> best friends with Michelle Obama. <laughs> so, you got to pick one. Who are you going to choose?
2: What's going to happen? <laughs> Oh my gosh. I have to choose between the th- Okay. I'm gonna say because my relationship with Tom Hanks is like the like he does not remember ever meeting me. So it's like we can <laughs> I I'm sure of it. It has um, to be reciprocated. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, so we could put him to the side. It's tough because I think what Michelle Obama like not only has done for my career, but just for Empowering black women is so Mm -hmm. important. Right. Um, And so I just really idolize her. And I think she's so smart and wonderful. And she's so kind and generous. It's I have to choose between them.
1: You don't have to, but yes.
2: As like my ride or die. Like my my pretend ride or die.
1: Yeah. Your pretend ride or die. Mm. Like pretend like you guys are best friends for life. Who's it going to be?
2: I think think I could be more ratchet around Bono and not be judged. <laughs> <laughs> <And> I, think, <laughs> I feel like Michelle would be like, bitch, what the fuck is this? Who are you?
0: <laughs> yeah, Who <laughs> oh could be oh the most comfortable God. around in quarantine? Yeah. Essentially?
2: Like, I mean, that's I, fair. Yeah. Like Bono would not, he's a rock star. He's not going to judge you know but Michelle's like she's gone to Princeton she was a lawyer like she broke barriers she does not have time for my ignorant ass so (laughs) uh, which makes sense that makes total sense
1: (laughs) I I remember the first time or one of the times that we were hanging out you're like have you met Michelle and in the back of my head I was like Michelle like (laughs) who and then I was like there's no way she's referring to Michelle Obama but you're like oh like Michelle Obama and I was like What are you talking about? In what world is that a casual like, oh, have you hung out with Michelle?
2: And then Phoebe
1: goes, oh, she would love you. Like, you guys would be great friends. I was like, yeah, right. uh," And I just like walked away. Phoebe, let's be very clear here. I'm having you on this podcast so I can meet Michelle and Bono one day. So I'm just going to throw it out there. That's it. We're having you commit to
2: that. (laughs) I (laughs) can make it work. I Great. can do it. Great. I'll do it. Okay.
1: Great. <laughs> um, joking aside, um, I think it's about time we jump into the reason that we're here today is to discuss a show that you suggested for us to decide if we commit to or we quit. And I think… Uh, I'm actually really excited to to talk about this and also to have you because I think you're you're only our second female guest. And <gasps> one thing we've wanted to have is more women on the show. And… Uh, Just like more varied perspectives and opinions. And I'm so glad that we went with this show. So today's show is called Insecure. And I'm so excited to jump into it. Um, before we have you kind of make a case for Eddie… If you could kind of introduce to us what Insecure is. I think it'd be great. Sure. I'd like to share the HBO synopsis. Creator Issa
0: Rae stars as Issa D who struggles to navigate the tricky professional and personal terrain of Los Angeles along with her best friend Molly. Played by Yvonne Orji.
1: Yeah. Thank you nice. for… That was a great reading. That was yeah.
0: Great. I feel like I'm getting better.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think you improved a lot from last week. I'm, Thank you. There wasn't like a weird pause. I liked it. Um, so Insecure is an HBO comedy <laughs> drama series. Um, it is recently has been renewed for its fifth season. And it is loosely based on Ray's past web series, Awkward Black Girl, which was 2011 through 13. Um, so, to break it down for you guys just a little bit, I've only seen the first two or three episodes because that's the concept of the show. But in episode one, we meet the protagonist, Issa D, who works for a nonprofit organization in LA. And uh, she's around 28, 29. And she's frustrated with her life. She goes through a midlife crisis or quarter life crisis. And, um, It's kind of figuring out, is she happy with her job? She's a little unhappy with her unemployed boyfriend. Uh, And then there's her running into her ex-boyfriend, Daniel. Meanwhile, her best friend, Molly, who's her BFF since college, is a very, very successful corporate attorney. But her dating life isn't the best either. So that's episode one. In episode two, we see Molly, uh, Issa's best friend, uh, trying to find love despite all these failed attempts on all those crazy apps. Tinder, OkCupid, okay, Hinge, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, and just kind of showing that dating in the digital age is pretty tough. Um, meanwhile, there's another story of Issa kind of coming, to, coming out into the open with her performing creative side. She starts to rap at an open mic. Um, and she and her boyfriend are trying to figure out what their future is like together. Um, And then there's also this subplot of her at work where she's the only black girl in a nonprofit that's supposed to be serving inner city kids that just seems completely out of touch. So there's (laughs) a lot to unpack in these short two 30 minute episodes, a lot of different plots going on, but that's kind of the best way that I can explain it for you guys. I hope that gets you to a place of understanding where we're gonna jump into this this conversation. Um, but Phoebe, is there anything that I missed that I need to absolutely need to hit on before we jump into this? this no, I think you
2: did a great job of summarizing everything. And I would say visually, it's just such a cool looking show. Yeah. Um, I just love that. I think the the visuals are are like another character, if you will, in the series. Oh. Like, so yeah. Fair. I yeah.
1: did. I did. As I was watching it, I had a lot of like nostalgia and FOMO. I'd be like, oh my God, humans. Oh my God, that's yeah. a bar. <laughs> oh, that's a city.
0: Yeah. But it hit differently this time. It yeah. really <laughs> does.
1: Um, to kick it off though, Phoebe, why did you choose Insecure um, for Commit to Quit?
2: So I, I chose it for a lot of reasons. I've been a huge fan of Issa Rae's. Like I remember watching her web series on YouTube when I still had my office job. I was like a legal assistant at this um, internet company and I, I didn't know anything about law. Like it was truly like me just watching Ally McBeal and being like, yeah, I guess that's what a deposition <laughs> looks like or whatever, you know what I mean? Like I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Yeah. But I just thought she always really tapped into sort of this kind of like, So, okay, so in the States, like in the 90s, there's a lot of black TV shows. And it was like Martin, like in Living Single, like all these shows. And then like in the early to mid aughts, like it all dried up and there weren't really that many shows. It was like Girlfriends or like Bernie Mac show. But like it really went down by a lot. And I feel like Insecure is sort of like one of the like one of the first black shows to sort of like, push this new renaissance we're experiencing by having more diversity Mm. on television with black people, as well as Asian people, Latina people. So it's Mm. been really, really cool to see her and insecure be at the forefront of this new age that we're living in, in terms of TV. Um, Second reason is my good friend, Amy Aniobi is a writer producer on the show. Um, And she's like really smart, amazing, talented, Um, And the third reason I feel like it really sort of like what I liked about Sex and the City is that it was the fantasy of it all right like Mm -hmm. Carrie like had no money but always wore like designer clothes and like that was funny she had like these super tight knit like girlfriends and they hung out literally all the time which is like the dream for anyone but I feel like Insecure is less about the fantasy and more about the reality of like if you don't have money, like your clothes aren't going to look great. Your apartment's not going to be like perfectly designed. Like you're not, you're, you're not going to be able to hang out with your girlfriends every single day because you're hustling and working. Um, So I really like that it, it rooted the show in reality, but still made it fun and enjoyable. Like, oh, I want to hang out with these girls every week, even though they're on struggle bus right now. Was that too much? Did I talk too much? No, I think that made a lot of
0: sense. And just like the reality of it all. Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Cool. Yeah,
1: no. Like, I think I was watching it and it it felt like, to me, I just love that it just seemed like real. I feel like I was looking into the lives of these people who seem very likable. And I think mm-hmm. it's very current in the way that it's being made. I look at shows like that. And I thought of um, kind of like Aziz Ansari's… What was that called? Like Master, Master of, of None. none. Mm-hmm. master of none i also thought of atlanta um mm-hmm. just it looks like a more intimate view into a certain perspective of life and um so that's i'm really glad that we're able to kind of jump into it and then talk about some of the the topics that come come with the show um so yeah great so eric why
0: don't we jump into like the the central themes and topics that that we yeah. kind of came up with
1: One thing that was really cool for me is just like being able to see a completely different perspective. I'm obviously not a black woman. So, you know, just watching it, I feel like there are points made where I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. That's very relatable. Some not. um, I think one thing that I kept thinking about, though, is how even before this conversation, if we talk about issues or topics on race, right, I feel like race is such a tricky topic because whenever you talk about it, even as like an Asian American, I don't want to be a representative for all Asian Americans, Mm -hmm. right? And I don't think anybody should be speaking on behalf of an entire people or an ethnicity. But when there are TV shows or there are people at the forefront of it, one way or another, we are forced to kind of take that burden or play that role. How have you navigated kind of that path and that role in your career as Mm. a woman of color, a a comedian, uh, a writer? How has that Mm. affected you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I… when So when Jessica Williams and I… She used to be on The Daily Show, acted in a bunch of movies. When we started Two Dope Queens 2014 maybe… Um, we just were sort of, we sort of just started because we were like, there are so many shows in New York that don't have people of color on them, don't have queer people on, don't have women on. A lot of late night shows that have like a bunch of like white guys with beards wearing like, you know, button downs. But you would rarely yeah. see like diverse people. I hate to say diverse people. You would just rarely see a diverse selection of people do stand up on those shows. And so Jess and I were just kind of like, you know, we just enjoy hanging out. We enjoy making each other laugh. We know so many brilliant people who are super funny and amazing and aren't getting sort of the recognition we think they deserve. So that's really how we started the show. And when it launches a podcast in 2016, it just went from a live show and just got more popular in New York. It would be interesting to read the the messages that we would get because people would be like, thank you so much for this show. Like we, this is like how I hang out with my friends or like, I never really listened to stand-up comedy because it was all just like white guys, like Seinfeld. I never felt like I would see anyone like reflected like me. And so that to me was when I sort of felt like, Oh, Like this means more to people than I thought it was going to. Mm -hmm. Like it's more than just Jess and I hanging out. And like, this is an opportunity for people to feel like their lives are also reflected. So I think I don't necessarily feel pressure, but I feel like that's always the underlying mission of whatever I create is that I want people to feel like they're not excluded from things. And I think unintentionally in the past, like a lot of creative things, like, even something like Sex and City, and I love the show, but I was like, all the people of color on the show were kind of caricatures and not Mm -hmm. really people who had like multi-dimensional personalities or that interesting. And so I think I've always made sure that with the work that I do, that I'm trying to do that. I think because I'm not on the level of like an Issa Rae or like And Ava DuVernay, I don't necessarily feel the pressure that I'm speaking for or speaking on behalf of black women. But I think there are there's a subset of black women who identify with someone like me who's like outwardly kind of nerdy, like an obsessive fan about things like really Mm -hmm. like into hair and clothes, but also like, you know, will dork out about other stuff. So I think it's it's feels more like we've all are like finding our own little tribes right now, which I think is super cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's uh, super important. I think from the top level of everything we see on the mainstream, that shouldn't mm-hmm. be just the only representation that we see. So those subgenres and these tribes that you're talking about, it's true. It's it's very very important. Even what we're doing with Eric, and we had Randall Park on the show last week. Mm-hmm. He, you know, we were saying how refreshing it was to see him in a role as like a painter. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, because he was so ordinary and he wasn't. A Kung Fu master or a K-pop mm-hmm. star. So <laughs> you know… There's there's more diverse roles to be played and uh, produced out right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I think the one thing that was also just, just interesting is… You have such diversity… Um, just in humans but within like… You know… Race as well. So like growing up as an Asian American… I was… You know… I think Eddie and I are probably the first to admit… We're probably like… The more preppy, like, quote-unquote, banana Asians, right? <laughs> where And then… Uh, but it's just like so many different… People have different backgrounds. And they have different ways of growing up. Like, there are Asians who um, grow up in inner cities. There are Asians who have a completely different experience from what we have. And um, I just don't think that we've gotten to a point where all that is represented well mm-hmm. yet. Uh, we're going to get there, I pray to God. But uh show- like shows like insecure kind of helped i think provide different aspects of black life and culture and that's what for me, as somebody who has been in Korea for ten years and rarely has the opportunity to interact with people of color um it was very very like fun and interesting and uh, eye opening to see i guess portions of that in the first mm-hmm. two episodes um I don't know did you growing up? And I guess even now, like you said, you are self-described as like this nerdy fan culture black girl. Um, was there ever like a sense of like what is my identity and like how do I identify um, in the community? Like, have you ha- dealt with that in certain ways?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you're a person of color and you grow up in America, and I, you know, I'm a i pre- am I like went to a prep school, and you know in a lot of white spaces, comedy certainly is a predominantly white space. You do sort of sometimes feel like, A, you either feel alone or you feel like, I I just am different from everybody and I just can't pinpoint it. And it's just sort mm-hmm. of like, I think, I think as I've gotten older, I've just become more sure of myself and was just sort of embraced that like, yeah, I'm not like the white guys. Like, and maybe that is my superpower in some ways and like embrace that and sort of, you know, be okay with being different, but I do also think there is a lot of pressure when you are a person of color to you want to be like super cool like and fit in with every single black person, but you also want to like fit in with like white people. You also <laughs> want like, you know, speak to the mainstream but also like do things that like sort of where you don't have to explain yourself and I think like certainly with Two Dope Queens or like my books I found ways where I was just like I'm not going to necessarily translate everything my experience Mm -hmm. all the time I think is where I am now as a creative so I think the things that I'm writing now are less like me taking a time out to be like hey white people okay so this is what I mean by this and now I'm just (laughs) sort of like you know presenting my experience. And if you get it, you get it. If you don't, if you don't like, I'm sure like when I was a kid and I was watching Seinfeld, I didn't get everything about being like a white guy, but I still (laughs) got the, you know, there were enough context clues where I was still like, Oh, I can identify with like Elaine or like if I would totally be George in this situation. So I think now what's really exciting is because there are so many different avenues. I think that people of color hopefully feel less pressure to have to explain uh-huh. themselves all the time. Right. Um, but I think it's just a matter of like finding your voice. And I think it's just a matter of like, just giving yourself permission to not be boxed in by the definitions that your community has of what it means to mm-hmm. be your particular identity, as well as like what, you know, the rest of the world thinks of you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I think like, it's easy to be like, oh, am I, am, am I black enough? Oh, I don't know. I shouldn't like this or no, I shouldn't like that or blah, blah, blah. I, I remember yeah. there's this promo picture that Jess and I took and we both like listened to rock growing up and a lot of stuff. And she was wearing a Led Zeppelin t-shirt. Um And I remember <laughs> we had these trolls on Twitter being like, these these two girls are always talking about like black culture and like making sure black voices are heard, but they're wearing a Led Zeppelin shirt. Like they shouldn't be like, and, mm. and I was like, but black people created rock. What are we, you know what I mean? But it feels uh-huh. like even though we like had a hand in creating this genre, we're like not allowed to listen to it because we're black women. And so it's that right. sort of stuff where it was just like, I think these arbitrary walls of like, if you are Asian, you are only allowed to listen to this. If you're Latinx, you're only allowed to listen to this. It's like, what the fuck? Like, you just want to enjoy the culture and the art and eat it up. And it all shapes you and it all makes you like who you are. And like, none of mm-hmm. us are this pure thing. And right. I think when we are trying to box, put everyone into one tiny box, we're like not allowing them to be influenced by the world. And we're not allowing them to influence the world. So I think now that I'm older, I'm like, I just wait. I just say what I like loud, proud. I don't care. And mm-hmm. it all shapes me. And I think the stuff that I'm put, putting out, I think is making people feel like they can be themselves too. Was that just a lot of rambling? I'm sorry. No,
1: that was great. <laughs> I mean, that that's so insightful because one of the things that I definitely wanted to ask is like, I've I felt it growing up. It's like, am I Asian enough? Am I mm-hmm. like, you know? I've heard Twinkie, I've heard Banana, I've heard all these different things. And I'm like, I mean, I don't know. There's moments where I don't feel American enough and Mm -hmm. I'm too Asian. Like, it's a split identity crisis thing of like, who am I? What am I? Like, and then at the end of the day, I'm like, I don't know. This is just me. And that's just the way it is. But like, I remember as a kid, like in high school, middle school, like, I would have distinctly different groups of friends. Like, one was an Asian group of friends. One is a white group of friends. And come full circle, like 10-15 years later, people are like, I didn't know you had like Asian friends. And I was like, well, here they are. Because everybody meets <laughs> up at my concerts. They're like, yeah. how could you not tell us about your Asian friends? Like, I don't know. I felt like they live 50 minutes out. I'm not going to make you guys all drive 50 minutes to meet my Asian friends. Um, So I, I don't know. I always felt like that was something that I had to come to terms with. And I think the way mm-hmm. you said it sums it up perfectly. But like… Now I'm at an age where I'm like, I don't really care. If you want to be friends, we can be friends. And if you don't think I'm Asian enough, that's fine. But I am Asian. Like what you going to do I about think, it? Yeah. I,
0: think, I think media has played a big role in you even making those introductions. Growing mm. up in high school, I was embarrassed of being Korean and the Korean culture and cuisine and music or whatever that was coming out of Korea. So I shied away from it. But after going to college and then… Our childhood friends meeting more people of color and being like, Oh, this is pretty cool. Like, I know how to eat this food. That was eye-opening to me. How people have started progressing mm-hmm. with social media and cancel culture being used in the right way. And people getting called out for their ignorant shit. Like, I think, I think that's a good step forward that I've seen uh, for people like us.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's also… It's still hard for me because like even last night like my was like trying to get, she's been trying to get me to be an active participant in TikTok for a while. And I'm oh always, God. I'm like, I'm I'm like I'm such an old lady. I don't know anything. But there is like a, a tiny fear, like we, way deep down inside. I was like, I don't think I'm like cool and black enough to do all these like fucking cool ass dances. Like I can't do any <laughs> of that. And so I was like, I you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like a failure as a black person because I don't think I could pick up like the fucking savage dances and all these things that, all these <laughs> yeah. like, Gorgeous, like gorgeous, gorgeous black women are doing on TikTok. So it makes me go, oh, I feel like I'm not black enough. And like I I still have those little tiny moments, you know. And I know it's silly because it is just TikTok, but it just, you know, you just feel that.
1: Have you watched Black AF on Netflix yet?
2: I have. I'm half halfway through the first season. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: There is that moment where they're at like they have like the all the families come and have a party. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rashida Jones' character sees her two sons, and she was like, "Make them stop <laughs> dancing." She, they can't, they can't do that. And yeah. I, just, <laughs> I thought that was really funny, but like, I, but beyond that, TikTok is a terrifying platform. I cannot figure it out for the life of me. Like, I had a rant on a podcast a few weeks ago where I was like. <laughs> People want you to stay relevant. But I don't think I can any longer be relevant with the rise of TikTok. Because this is too difficult. It's too much.
0: You're getting left behind.
1: I <laughs> I, 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 call me a traditionalist. Call me an antique. I don't know. Like me waving my arms in a bathroom by myself is weird. I can't do it.
2: Yeah. I, but I think it's good that for the… The current generation that's on it, like they have like this this is their playground this is their space and I'm like you guys have that I will like go listen to Anita Baker and pour myself a <laughs> glass of wine and that's my playground. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I guess
1: uh, when it comes to you know back to the show Insecure when you, we look at uh, Issa. And her friend Molly's dynamic. That relationship. Um, I thought it was interesting because… I guess it's framed in a way where like… Molly seems to have everything together. You know? She's very ver- doing very well. And there was also that moment… I don't know if this is in actually episode 3 or not. Where there's another black girl that comes in to mm-hmm. the firm. And she's kind of be like… Hey. Like… You gotta kind of tone it down kind of thing. Um, I thought that was just like… Has there have, have there been moments, I guess, in your career where you felt like you've had to kind of put a side of you away, you know? Like right now, we can say like, we could be proud of who we are and just like, mm-hmm. whatever. But like, you know, I feel like there's also a recent development being able to be that open and um, accepting of people for just for the way they are. How did you kind of like take that scene and, and those relationships in watching the show?
2: Yeah, I love that scene because I think that whenever people of color are in work environments, especially if it's corporate or like super, quote unquote, like professional, like a law firm, mm-hmm. you definitely are like, oh, well, I have to, I have to turn into a different version of myself, you know, like I'm not going to necessarily be as like, you just don't want any, like sometimes I can feel like I don't want there to be any signifiers that go, that's the black person in the office, you know? So you might like Mm -hmm. speak a little bit quieter or like the kind of food that you have at lunch might be different. Or you'll like want to maybe like not style your hair a certain way. You know what I mean? Like it's just like a lot of things that go into like being in a work environment and sort of feeling like I want to, I just want to fit in and I don't want to stand out as the black person here because I don't know if that's like a, are they just using me as, like, the token? Or B, are they looking down on me because I'm not like them? So you sort of, like, dull mm. the edges a little bit, which is kind of, like, you know, I think that scene in particular with her telling the intern, hey, maybe, like, like tone down your pers- personality. Like, don't be, like, sassy and loud because it's like, well, I don't want them to, like, not take us seriously as professionals. Yeah. And, like, that's very true. And I think that, like, luckily now that... I'm in comedy, I don't really have to worry about that as much, but I definitely do feel when I'm going into pitch meetings, when I'm, you know, talking to execs over at ABC Studios, like I know that I have to prepare like twice as hard and have an answer to every conceivable question. Otherwise, I'm gonna be looked at as unprepared. Whereas uh-huh. if I were like a white dude, they would just be like they ask a question, oh, but you don't have to have the answer now. It's like i am never, <laughs> mm. you know, you hear that all the time. You're like, bitch, I definitely have to have the answer now, you know?
0: Right.
2: <laughs> and so I love that that scene was like, it wasn't heavy handed and insecure, but it was very right. much like, this is what it's like to work in a corporate environment when you are a person of color and you're trying to move up. And right. the pressures that you feel that maybe your other coworkers don't have to feel because they aren't the same skin color as you. hmm
1: I think moving from that, like a great time in the show where uh, Issa and Molly feel completely comfortable with each other is when it's just the two of them. It's Mm -hmm. just the two of them. They can be who they are. They're very just open. They can fend through everything. They are open about their struggles and their emotions. And I think that's probably when we see the most true colors of who they are as these characters. Um, One thing that I thought was really fun is them diving into like dating in the digital age um, and like these quarter life crisis that they're going through. Um, Have you been on (laughs) any dating apps? I know you're in a great relationship with Bake Off for three (laughs) years, but thoughts on dating apps in general um, and dating as an adult.
2: I mean, I was on some dating apps and like it, it was never a successful for me and now that I'm in a relation, I am like, Godspeed, you guys. It is rough <laughs> in these streets. I I just feel like I just am such a, like, I have to just meet people in person. Like I met Bay at a concert. Like I, I, this whole, like looking at a picture, someone summarized themselves in like 300 words and you deciding whether they're worth your time or not feels so bizarre because people Mm. aren't flat summaries and perfect pictures. You know what I mean? So it feels like you're not shopping for zucchini. Like this is someone that you like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that you want to like date or like have sex with or just like meet and like hang out. And so I just always, I think that was the thing that I struggled with because I think like on a dating app you could take your time and compose the right message. Like There's just Mm -hmm. all these things that like aren't what actual human interaction is. So then when you would sometimes meet up in person, it might feel awkward or you might be like, oh, this is different than I thought it was going to be. And I don't know. So I just think it's really hard to be on dating apps and like. You know, I just think everyone feels the pressure to be like, I'm the most interesting person and I go on vacations and I rock climb and I work out and I listen to coolest music and I have the dopest job and my friends are the best and the the coolest clothes. And there's just a part of me that feels like all these dating apps just make you sometimes feel bad about yourself and go... Well, I'm not as interesting as these people like I haven't done a road trip or I don't have as much money or what. Like, I just feel like I don't know, but there's so many friends I know who have like successful relationships through dating apps because they were just like going out to a bar or being set up with friends like didn't work. So I think it kind of just depends on your personality yeah, I mean I think Eddie you've been with your wife for a while. Like you guys didn't meet
0: yeah,
2: on an we, app right?
0: We met each other in high school actually. But we didn't start <gasps> dating until after college. But around that time is when the, the social media dating app started happening. So I was closely observing through my friends. And the excitement that they felt with all of these options. But I think quickly they realized that having too many options was actually a bad thing. Because Mm. even if you have a good date with somebody, you're always thinking there's somebody out there that's better and can make up for that uh, lacking of a characteristic that you're looking for. Rather than building a relationship over time, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I looked into a lot of this in college and I thought it was fascinating how like our parents' generation um, and just a little bit older than us, they were always hooking up with people uh, that were just within close proximity of them. Neighborhoods, schools, jobs, um, whatever it is. It wasn't just this like… Let me set a 50 mile radius and see who mm-hmm. loves soccer. <laughs> um, it just seems too easy. And we've, mm-hmm. we've spoken about this as well. There's a beauty in uh, meeting someone even through a mutual connection. And mm-hmm. uh, taking the time to, to respect that introduction in the moment you met and cultivating that relationship. I don't think there's really time with that in uh, these dating apps. From what I've yeah.
2: yeah. What about you, Eric? Because you're like… You're pretty famous. Like I just imagine <laughs> that it would just… I think you are. Like I think it would just be… I, I think, think it would be hard to date when you're famous… Because you're like… Are you dating me for me? Or for what you right. think I am? Right. You know?
1: I mean it. it is complicated. It is hard. I've had issues in the past where it's just like… It's, it's like, oh, you're nothing like… Like, you seem on TV. I'm like, well, what do I seem like on TV? Like…
2: Yeah. And
1: it's… I mean… I don't like to… Th- I think that I'm pretty straightforward when it comes to… On and off screen. I think it's like pretty much the same. But I think when it comes to entertainment, there's always… It's always an exaggerated version of yourself. I feel like. And um, and that's where it's like, well… This is just the way I am. And I hmm. hope you can deal with it. and And… It's dating apps freak me out. Like, I refuse to download one. Um, mm-hmm. And I had a I had a conversation with a friend this past week, a lot actually, because he's been trying to find somebody on these apps. And I was, he was like, "Why does this not? Like, why are you so against it?" And I think it's because, like you were saying, it's a very reductive process, and it reduces who you are as a person onto like a single page, which is weird. And secondly. I think the other thing is it you download an app with the purpose and the focus of either hooking up or finding somebody to date and potentially marry or whatever it is. And that idea to me is so weird. Like mm. for some people it works. That's great. But for me, I think maybe I'm just like a romantic at heart where like I still want to have an in-person meeting of like… At a bar, at a concert, and I don't know when we'll be back at concerts or at a bar yeah but, <laughs> um, just like kind of like that that very natural kind of meeting kind of thing, so I don't know, dating apps kind of freaked me out, yeah, I'm like, yeah, also of, like- I was asked to be the this <laughs> I was asked to be the spokesperson for Tinder in Korea. <laughs> <laughs> Yes,
2: get that money though. Like, Don't use the app, but get that money. Get the bag, Yo, I already turned that
1: down. This could help all of us. "Uh." (laughs) But anyways. Sorry, what were you going to say, Phoebe?
2: Oh, I was going to say the other thing about dating apps is it just made me go… I just was like… I felt… I was like, oh, am I not pretty enough? Like, I just was always like how I measure up against the other girls who were like, you know what I mean? Like it just made me so self-conscious and so like beating myself up. And also like black women get the least sort of like, (laughs) unfortunately because of racism, they get the least amount of like interaction on dating Mm -hmm. apps. Um, Mm -hmm. So that would also make it frustrating. So like whenever I did spark with a guy more often than not, He would be like, Are you like, what are you? It was like, Are you mixed with something? And you'd be like, No, I'm just black. It's just like, no, I'm just I'm just black. Yeah. Like you'd be talking for a little bit and whatever. You know, it's so fucked up because it was like, Well, they don't want to date like a black girl. It's like, are you mixed with something else that would be like more sort of appealing? And so it's just very sort of frustrating to be like That was like the thing where I was like, I don't want to be on this anymore. I'm like, this is all subtly racist. Like, I'd rather just be horrifically single or maybe like joyfully (laughs) single than like have some guy try and be like, can you please not be 100% like black American? Because like, that's not like attractive. Like, it just was such a fucking bummer. That's Uh, wild. I can't believe that.
0: Even with uh yeah. with Asian men on the other end of the spectrum, right? They're usually, yeah. isn't it like
1: black women and Asian men are like the least
2: desired on these so. apps? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Brittany and they're I, my wife and I, were having this uh, kind of funny conversation earlier this week because we we're talking about our future kids, and we we're like, well, you know, surely they're gonna be cute and good looking, right? They're mixed, <laughs> but then, but then Brittany was like. But I don't think I've ever seen like a white girl with an Asian guy. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> I don't know what that's gonna look like. <laughs> um,
1: but I mean, we'll see, Eric. We'll see. I mean, no, it's they're gonna be beautiful, and it doesn't matter. Like, who cares? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess the the last thing that you know, I feel like. Today's episode has been interesting because I feel like we've gone in and out of discussing the show And just like Mm -hmm. applying it to our daily lives in a a much more fluid way than we have in the past Uh, I think one thing that I think listeners would really appreciate is one thing that is on the show Is like this anxiety of turning 30 Of Mm. just about to hit 30 And as somebody who is into their 30s Um, Looking at this show and connecting with it. What were some of the insecurities that you may have had at 30? And just like as somebody who's just killing it right now. What is your perspective on age? And uh, how people can deal with it?
2: Yeah. That's a great question. I think being 35. Now I think I just know myself better. Mm -hmm. And trust my gut more. Yeah, And entertain drama less i think it's like one of those things where it's like you don't have to have dramatic friendships you don't have to have drama filled like relationships for your life to be interesting if anything that's soul sucking and like Uh toxicity and it it gets in the way of you actually living the life that you want to live but i Mm -hmm. think you know because so much of like whether it's like movie, TV shows, like even, you know, when you're growing up as a kid, like if you're a little girl, you're like six or whatever you're in the playground and a boy punches you, that means he likes you like that's the stuff that you're told. So it, to me, I'm always like, it's no wonder that like literally every straight girl I know has dated douchebags because we're all taught like dysfunctional behavior is like what you should aspire mm. towards because You being so amazing will change them. So then it puts the onus on the woman to be like this, like gorgeous, like life changing presence in every guy's life. And then if he doesn't change, then that also reflects poorly on you. As opposed to now, it's like you want to find someone, whether you're dating or you're just looking for a friend, you want to find someone that's going to make you better and not Mm. bring you down. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, watching a show like Insecure and watching like Issa and Molly, like I've seen the show before. So it was really nice to sort of rewatch. I rewatched the the first season along with you guys. Um, And it was so, it's just interesting to see like, in your 20s, like you just, you don't know what you like sometimes. You don't know like what's the right call, what's the wrong thing to do. So you just kind of do shit in order to figure that out. And I think that, It's so valuable and what you should do in your 20s. And I think now being in my 30s is sort of like, you know, sort of taking that information and like learning on it and building a a better, more interesting life for yourself. And then also like you are a little more introspective in a way where you're like. You're like, "Oh, I'm also have these problem areas." We're in the 20s, just uh-huh. like, "Everyone's a drama queen and I don't get it because I don't <laughs> love drama." It's like, "Bitch, yeah. you do you love drama, you know?" Mm. Um, and then now your 30s, you're kind of like, "Oh, this is how I'm participating in this particular like relationship um going a particular way." So, I think it's it's been really nice being in my 30s. I think I'm happier for sure. I have more Mm -hmm. self-esteem now than I did when I was younger. Um, And, you know, I think the other thing that society makes you feel like you have to have everything figured out by 18 or 21. And I think because of that, it makes a lot of young people go, Oh shit, I'm fucking up because I Mm -hmm. don't know. Mm -hmm. And now my 30s I'm kind of like yeah there's so many things that I don't know and I embrace that. And right. I'm like, well, hopefully when I'm in my 40s I will learn XYZ that I couldn't possibly know now. Right. Um, but aging does because I'm in Hollywood and I am a woman, I am very conscious of aging. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'm, I I like my I very into skincare cuz I want to look slightly younger than I am. Um, which I realize is not the most healthy thing to participate in, but here we are. Um, (laughs) But I think what's really cool is now seeing someone like a Reese Witherspoon or seeing like Nicole Kidman be in her late forties and producing all this stuff and like being so accomplished in her forties when like 30 years ago, that just wouldn't happen. So mm-hmm. it reminds me that there's always time to like do more and develop more and you don't have to have everything done by 25 or else your life is meaningless. Like I think we put so many arbitrary milestones on people and it makes people unhappy because it's like maybe mm-hmm. you won't have career success until you're 45. Right. But does that mean that your life sucks because you didn't figure it out until then? You know, mm-hmm. Um so I think with a show like Insecure, like seeing them in their 20s, it definitely reminds me of how I was in my 20s. And it's so good to be like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not like that anymore. <laughs> you know <laughs> so what I mean? Like, moved I'm, beyond that. Yeah. yeah. It's so glad that like, you know, Issa's character has been with Lawrence for five years and it's clearly like just not a great relationship. And it's like, you don't need five years to realize your relationship is not good. Right. Right. The older you get, you could be like, three months, oh, this is going to be trash. I'm pressing like My... the injector button. Yeah, you're, you peace yeah. out. And I think you just learn to trust yourself more. And I think what you look for in other people and yourself, I think has a layer of substance that it just didn't have before. Mm-hmm. Was that Fair.
1: good? That was great. Um, I think, you know, we're about that time where we have to go ahead and decide if we commit mm-hmm. or quit to the show. Um, I mean, obviously you're committed you've you've seen the entire show, but for people who you know if they made it through this episode of this podcast and they're still on the edge, like give us like two sentences. why should they watch the show and and uh, yeah, just why should they watch the show in like two sentences, two or three sentences?
2: I think you guys should watch insecure because I think it is just shows a very specific voice and captures a very specific time in all our lives. And, um, the cinematography is great. The acting is good. It's funny as hell. And I think if we want things to change, we should support these shows that have people of color just being themselves. Like I, you know, we don't always have to be like slaves or like, Dealing with adversity to be of interest Mm -hmm. or of worth or of value. And I think just having a show where a black woman is just being her damn self, like that is so impactful and powerful. And I think that's not shown enough. And I think as a result, people don't necessarily see the potential in black women. So Mm -hmm. maybe watching the show might change how you feel about black women. And that could be really fucking cool.
1: Right. There we go. All right, Eddie. What do you think? Commit or quit?
0: Yeah this, this is a strong commit for me. Um, I've been looking forward to <laughs> checking this show out. I've actually gotten to know one of the actors in the recent uh, season. Alexander Hodge. I um, mm-hmm. had dinner with him and have been following him and he's been really blowing up. And when you recommended this I was very excited. But the writing I thought was key. The acting. The scene in the first episode after the the stand-up goes wrong and they're just mm-hmm. barking at each other left and right. I was like, this is hilarious. Everybody's so good at their roles. Um, and I agree to the most important part. Um, just having more representation in roles that we haven't seen before. That, that may be just very, very normal. But again, it's not uh, the sexiest story to tell or the most controversial. Like This is just real life. And so I'm glad for Commit or Quit, uh, this is… A different show and in the best way possible.
2: Mm-hmm. Yay! <laughs>
1: <laughs> Eric, how about you? Um, I'm I'm committing to this show as well. Um, I found myself after the first two episodes. I cheated, I went ahead and watched the next one. Sorry. Um <laughs> I have to admit it because and and it's for all the reasons that you guys have shared, but it's just a normalization thing of just like people who are living their lives. And I think for, you know, for me, the interesting part was like having a completely different perspective on life. And there are still many points that are relatable, many points that are new that I feel like I'm taking away. New new ideas and ways that people have approached it. I think, to be very honest, like coming into this conversation and having to discuss things like race, it is a sensitive topic. And no matter how much we try to tiptoe around it, we have to be able to address it in a way that's… Conductive to like growth and understanding Mm -hmm. and so I was like nervous because I was like because people on the internet can take this and be like He completely took this in a different way or like a context but like but I'm glad that we were able to have this somewhat of a informed discussion about like how this affects our lives and what we've taken away from it and I'll just say I'm excited to kind of go through the seasons and just see Issa and how she develops as somebody about to hit 30 and just life in LA and um, I thought it was very well done. So commit for me as well. Thanks for bringing it. Phoebe. Yes.
2: Oh my gosh. <laughs> there are going to be some choices made that you're going to be like, what the fuck? It's, it's so good. It's so good. It's like you, you make these mistakes and you have to learn. I think that show really shows that off well. So, Yay! Yeah,
0: There's a awesome. reason why there's four seasons right now. It's obvious. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Great. Yeah. Um, Before we
1: start wrapping up… We have some like questions from fans on Twitter that we wanted to ask you. If that's okay. Cool. Yeah. So the first one comes from Chathuri. And it is… Hey, how do you find inspiration as a stand-up comedian? That's a very broad (laughs) question but… Yeah.
2: (laughs) I think a lot of my stand-up comes from my personal life. So the hour that I was touring… Uh, last year was a lot there was like a good chunk of it about uh, moving in with my boyfriend and us living together and sort of learning about each other so I try to just I always want my stand-up to take people's minds off of like the hardships in their life just make them laugh and also if I can have like a little bit of social commentary I'll sprinkle it in there but Mm -hmm. um, it's just really I just pluck from my life.
1: Okay, cool. You know what's interesting though? Like when I look at stand-up comedians, a lot of the stand-up comedians, I'd say until recently, it came from a dark place. I feel (laughs) like a lot of stand-up comedians were really depressed or like really had some dark moments in their lives. Um, Now, I don't know all of your life, but like I I think it's interesting that these days it seems like just finding those moments, even in the most happy, pleasurable lives that that we can find comedy… And um, and when you're saying like a lot of it comes from like… You're living with your boyfriend and that kind of stuff. I think that's cool. Like it signifies some sort of like shift in terms of where we're going with comedy. Which I think is great. It's a little more positive. Yes. Um, I agree. Next question is from… That's… I can't read that tagline. <laughs> but the question is… <laughs> how, any tips on how to gain confidence?
2: Ooh… Yeah, I mean, I think confidence is... It's like one of those things where it's not like there's a stop, a start and a finish. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. confidence ebbs and flows throughout your life, I think. Um, and so I, what I have worked on is A, surrounding yourself with people who are going to reinforce that confidence. I think a lot of times people unwittingly are around people who are either a reflection of how they feel about themselves or, well, they have these two good qualities, which makes up for this bad thing that makes me feel terrible about myself. So I think surrounding yourself with really positive, supportive people is one thing. I think second is like learning to trust your gut through trial and error. Like I think a lot of times you lack confidence is because you don't know if you necessarily believe that you have the agency or the authority over your own life. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the third thing I would say confidence is sort of like, I think sometimes when we talk about confidence, it's like, it means I don't give a fuck about anything or anyone's Mm. opinion. I just do whatever. And to me, I feel like confidence is, you know, is in concert with like vulnerability and sort of like Uh being open to like feeling absorbing, and understanding that you don't know everything, that you're not always gonna be right, that you're gonna fuck up, and that's still okay. So I think if mm-hmm. those things are remembered, I think your confidence will just keep growing as time goes.
1: Amazing, thank you for that. Well, hope our our fans and your fans are gaining some valuable insights to life through this show um to 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 wrap it up, uh, first, thank you so much for making time. We really appreciate it. I know yes, you're incredibly you. busy. Um, but I I loved just reconnecting with you and having a conversation about a fun show. Um, and thank you for introducing us to this show. Um, before we, we let you go, is there anything that you want to plug or share or tease or anything like that? Or everything kind of under wraps?
2: Yeah, there are things that are under wraps. Um, so I will plug other people… Um, my good friend Michelle Buteau has a book coming out in December uh, Survival of the Thickest and it's a memoir um, you can pre-order that um, all the girls uh, or all the women on Insecure are phenomenal so just like support what mm-hmm. they're doing Uh, comic I know in LA Sarah Schaefer has a memoir coming out in August called Grand I read an advanced copy of it it was wonderful and uh, my birthday is September 28th. I'm turning 36. and <laughs> It will probably happen within the core core. We'll all be inside. So just positive vibes my way if you remember my birthday.
1: We'll send them your way. <laughs> okay, um, <good. laughs> all right. Well, thank you again so much. We really enjoyed speaking with you. You're the freaking best. And yeah. um, hopefully, we get through core core together and we'll be able to give each other hugs when we see each other soon.
2: Yes, this was so fun. <laughs> yeah. No, 2021 is my prediction.
1: Okay, mm-hmm. 2021. I think yeah, so too. I hope yeah. so. Um, but thank you. This was a lot of fun and I hope it wasn't painful. Uh-
0: <laughs> yeah. No, this is Phoebe, great. Thank you, you guys- thank you for your insight. Like everything you've said. I'm just sitting here. I could listen to you talk all day. It's
2: oh, fantastic. thank you. This is just like really <laughs> nice to just like do a podcast and it's all people of color. And it's just like great. It's just so fun. It's more of this. So you guys are really doing like the awesome, cool work that like needs to continue. So thank you.
1: Well, thank you. You're welcome back anytime. Please let us know uh, if you ever want to come. Um, Yay! But, yeah. <laughs> so this wraps up, I guess, this special guest episode of Commit to Quit with the incredible Miss Phoebe Robinson. So please check out her stuff. Connect with her on socials and let us know what you think about Insecure once you watch it. Go ahead and tag us on Twitter at the Dive Studios. Let us know your thoughts.
0: Yeah. Yes. And uh, oh
2: Dope Dope Queen Phoebe's is my uh, Instagram oh, yeah, there handle. You go. Yeah. So Dope there Queen
1: Phebes.
0: Cool. Love and it. yeah, yeah. And just to close <laughs> this out, be sure to subscribe to Dive Studios on YouTube at youtube.com backslash dive studios. Follow us on IG at the Dive Studios. Follow us on TikTok, uh, the platform that Eric is so terrified of. <laughs> and if you are so compelled, please become Can't a patron. Do it patron of ours at patreon.com backslash dive studios. We got some cool perks, full videos, opportunities to zoom call with some of the team. And uh yeah, lastly, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. So yeah so you don't miss any cool episodes such as this. And thank you so yeah. much.
1: Cool. Well guys, talk to you guys very, very soon. Have a great day. Thank you, Phoebe. We'll see you soon. Thank you.
2: Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye.